Hey moms, we're so glad you're here. Today is your day, and we wanted you to know that we love you. Happy Mother's Day. Well, good morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt, the senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship, and joining me is my lovely wife, Debbie, and uh, she is also the mother to our three sons, and so happy Mother's Day. Thank you, dear. Uh, yeah, and so what's it like to celebrate Mother's Day? Well, it's it's nice. I have no children at home right now. <laughs> I did get a, a beautiful flower yesterday from one of our boys, actually the married one. So I'm, I'm hoping the other two will get married so I can, they can remember to send me a Mother's yeah, Day gift. Yeah, there you go. There's a definite upgrade when you get married there. Uh, but that's true. And it's Mother's Day. And today we want to encourage moms and to do that inside your bulletin. You'll find an outline that Debbie and I will be walking through together. I've asked her to come along and give some commentary as we go through this because um, the last half of the last chapter in the book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom, deals with uh, the qu- character qualities of a virtuous woman, of a godly woman. And anytime there's a list of character qualities like this, those things are meant to inspire us and encourage us to be all we can be. There are certain passages in the Bible about that deal with courage and battle, that deal with Um, somebody kneeling down in prayer in the midst of tough times. And those things are so encouraging to me when I read them, especially when I'm going through uh, some challenges as a leader and other things. Well, this passage should be an encouragement to every woman here. Wouldn't you agree? I love this chapter. It's like a pep talk to me. And so, um, and it's, it's really, and it's not just for moms, it's for women in general. So I think we can all get something out of this. So yeah. Would you pray for women and for moms in particular? Holy Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for a day where we can celebrate moms. And Lord, we just thank you for our mothers. We all have a mother. And so, Lord, you have um, blessed us in that way. And so we just thank you for the moms and all the hard work that they have um, put in to to raise us and to care for us. And, uh, Lord, I just pray for our time now. I pray that you would teach us what you want us to learn. Uh, Thank you for this chapter and um, your word. And I pray, thank you that your word never returns void. It always accomplishes what you want it to accomplish. So, Lord, we're looking forward to this time. Teach us, Father. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. So, as I said, there's a, if you need a pen, just raise your hand. The ushers will bring you one. But uh, we're going to be talking about a virtuous woman from the last half of Proverbs 31. Uh, before we get into it, though, you need to know that Proverbs 31, verses 10 through 31, there's 22 verses there, and there were 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. So, a, you're the apple of my eye type of thing. That was the uh, B, you're the most beautiful woman in the world. Well, that's the idea behind these verses. And so uh, King Lemuel, who wrote this, his mom would have taught him this. This is the kind of woman you're looking for. Okay, 22 character qualities. Uh, Hebrew only has 22 letters because you know you have to buy a vowel. There are no vowels. Okay, so anyway, that's where that works. But if you want an idea of how my take on that would be, it's question six in the um, discussion questions. A, you're always on time. B, you're the best cook in the county. C, you're continuously thinking of others. D, drive like a NASCAR champion. Okay, you get the idea. Uh, but you guys can work on that at home if you want to. But uh, that's what this was about. And so Lemuel's mom taught him, <clears throat> hey, there are 22 things that ought to uh, you ought to look for in a virtuous woman one day if you're looking for the right woman to marry. And so it gives us kind of a, hopefully, an encouraging uh, understanding of this. But number one out of all this, and we didn't, we're not going to go through 22 different categories. There aren't any of those. We kind of clumped them in five or six, really, uh, categories here. And point A is, your, is the first clump of that. And that's this, that God values character above beauty. And point one is that God values character above beauty. 
Character is moral or ethical strength, integrity, fortitude, reputation. Uh, a woman of noble character is a godly woman. And if you're going to look for a godly woman, these are characteristics that fall out from that. And this is a big issue. This is a big issue in times of the Bible. It's a big issue today. Uh, David uh, was going to be anointed king by the prophet Samuel. Um, God had told Samuel to go anoint one of Jesse's sons. Well, he found the biggest, tallest, best-looking one. He said, well, that's the one. And the Lord said, no, Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Now, this doesn't just go for David back in biblical times. It goes for us now. Uh, can you guys put that picture on the screen? And there's a picture that we're going to put up here, uh, a side-by-side comparison of Christy Brinkley and Francis Bouvier, Bouvier the uh, woman who played Aunt B. They're both 60 when this picture was taken. Okay? That's how much things have changed since the 60s. And by the way, if you're familiar with Beverly Hillbillies, Granny, she was 60. Okay? And That's the grandmother on the Waltons. Okay, so... This is what we're up against. How does it make you feel to see Aunt B and Christy Brinkley side by side? I mean, I look at that. I just think that's absolutely ridiculous. I mean. <laughs> okay. But what happens is, is the reason. I... <laughs> okay. So, so I'm going to look like that when I turn 60. I hope. I'm like, praying for I'm it. Right. That's a great way. That's something to pray for. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All I can think of is, well, yeah, if I had a kajillion dollars to spend on myself and have surgeries and full-time chefs and full-time people that help you look that way and Photoshop, then maybe we'd all look that way when we turned 60 if we were in her. Okay, so we hit a nerve. Okay, situation. anyway, uh, we're going to move on. I mean, just poor me, me just happened to live before Photoshop. You know, I feel a little sorry uh, for her. There's a little more than Photoshop going on there. Okay, anyway. <laughs> Uh, we're going to move on here. Here's the life application, and you've seen it acted out right here. We should value character above beauty. And if you really want to put something in there, put your own name in there. John Schmidt should value character above beauty. Yes, he should. Yes, I should. <laughs> and here's why. This is part of that poem. This is part of one of those 22 verses. There, These are two of them. Who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She is more precious than rubies. Notice it didn't say who can find a smoking hot wife. It said virtuous and capable. It does. She is more precious than rubies. Charm is deceptive and beauty does not last. Unless you're Christy Brinkley. Okay. Uh, but, a woman, but a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Of all these 22 verses, none of them talk about her hair or her makeup or her curves or anything like that. None of them. They talk about our character qualities. Because the truth is, all of us age. And charm can be deceptive. Somebody can be very lovely on the outside and just impossible on the inside. And so all these character qualities we're talking about here, all the descriptions of this woman that follow, none of them talk about her measurements. They don't, or how young she looks. None of them do. They do talk about other character qualities that can be celebrated forever. Because they show a heart that's right with God. And this is something that God does, not just with David. Hey, don't look at his appearance. You judge people by the outside. I judge them by the inside. I mean, God is looking at our souls. And we live in a world that is so superficial. I mean, seriously, we judge people almost exclusively by their appearance. Because of television and the internet, somebody could be a complete wretch of a person. But if they're beautiful or if they're handsome, oh, 
put that person in front of us because we like the way they look or we like the way they sing. And it's something we need to think about and say, hey, life is more than that. And if you and I are going to have a, a long-term relationship with someone, we want somebody of godly character. And it's more than that. It's we need to think the way God thinks. And this is a struggle. I mean, it's a struggle. When I look up there, it's like, well, I'd rather look like her than her. But our looks in God's eyes are not important. It's the inner person that's important. And so it's, it's a struggle for all. We have to keep reminding ourselves of this. Really, what is important? What, is, what does God value? And that's what we need to value. And that next scripture really just hits it right in the middle. Yeah, Peter talked about this in the New Testament too. What matters is not your outer appearance. He's talking to women here. The styling of your hair, the jewelry you wear, the cut of your clothes, but your inner disposition. Cultivate inner beauty, the gentle and gracious kind that God delights in. The holy women of old were beautiful before God that way. If you underline beautiful before God, I mean, isn't that what we want? He's the one who gives us our lives. He's the one to whom our souls will return one day. Are we beautiful before him? Not just in the eyes of others. They were beautiful before God that way, and they were good, loyal wives to their husbands. Oh, my goodness. This sounds so old-fashioned these days. But we have to come to terms with the fact that somewhere along the line, inner beauty is more important than outer beauty. I almost get from that as um, someone cultivates the godly characteristics that we're about to talk about, um, it makes you more beautiful. And all of us have known people where if you, if you didn't know who they were, you just looked at them and you'd think, well, they're not much to look at. But as you, as you spend time with them, as you um, develop a friendship or a relationship with them, they just become more beautiful because they're on the inside. They're who they are, they're supposed to be, and they're a godly person. And I think that that is attractive to people. It's certainly attractive to the Lord. Yeah, so many times we look at our bodies on the outside and that's what we're consumed with and say, well, yeah, we have a soul too. But from God's perspective, we are souls that wear bodies for a few years in this world. Our souls will live on forever. We get it all backwards. And it's important on Mother's Day when we celebrate our moms, celebrate more than beauty character qualities are what we want to celebrate and there are five more lists here well there are five groupings here there are are more than that but we put them in five groupings here so i'm just going to call them five characteristics of virtuous woman there are more um so but here here's the first one i just before you do that what is the definition of virtuous i want us to all be on the same page with this well you've got Uh, some notes why don't you tell us well we talked about it yesterday that a virtuous person is someone who is morally excellent yeah someone who's godly and that's worth pursuing yeah, and you can be a godly person uh, whether you look great in a swimsuit or not. And a virtuous person, you can become more virtuous the older you get. Because uh, that's, that's what happens with age and with wisdom and learning how to serve the Lord. Um, her husband can trust her. This is Okay, first of all, she brings good to her husband. She brings good to her husband. This is one of the things that stands out. You'll see that in these verses here. Her husband can trust her, and she will greatly enrich his life. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. Her husband is well known at the city gates where he sits with other civic leaders. And, Deb, what do you get out of that passage? I mean, how important is it to make your husband look good? Well, I just think it's important to make your husband better. That hopefully, as we're married, I can help balance out some of the things in your life maybe that you struggle with. I mean two are better than one, so I can help you and make you better. 
Yeah, I remember when we first got married, it was so interesting. I got married and moved to Houston, uh, Texas. We lived there for four years, and I started a new job there. But I noticed something right out of the gate after I got married. I would go to work, and people go, well, you look nice today. Well, you look nice today. You sure are dressed sharp today. And I realized that before we got married, no one had ever said that to me. (laughs) It's true. Uh, Yeah, it's true. (laughs) She took a lot of my clothes and just burned them. I mean, I went through college wearing sweats the entire time, I think. I don't think I ever had anything that was worth wearing. And it was just so funny because it was the same way with furniture in our house or with other things. She makes things beautiful and things that I have no sensitivity toward at all. And um, it was just amazing how much she has helped me. It's amazing how much she's helped me in manners and appreciating things. Just she, she can be the one who confronts me and says, hey, you know, it would really help if you did this. That's, that's, not, that's not right the way you did some of those things. And she says it out of love, and it helps me. I mean, you get the idea here when this guy, her husband is well known at the city gates where he sits with other civic leaders, that since that's in a list of character qualities of this woman, that she's helped him attain that status. He's respected. He's respected. I mean, she's helped him become a respectable man and a leader. She's contributed to that, and people recognize it. Oh, yeah, he's the one who married up. But it makes her look good as well. Yeah, I mean, he outkicked his coverage. Okay, anyway, that's the way it goes. But there's an important note here. This is especially important if the husband does not believe in Jesus. You may be here today, and your husband wouldn't come. Or you may know someone whose husband doesn't go to church. They're a believer. They become a believer, um, and they deal with this. Well, in that same passage where Peter said, hey, it's not the styling of your hair or the cut of your clothes, that type of stuff, The verses right before that say this, be good wives to your husbands and responsive to their needs. There are husbands who, indifferent as they are to any words about God, will be captivated by your life of holy beauty. And Debbie, I mean, I'd like for you to comment on this. You pray with lots of different women who are in this exact situation where they've come to faith in the Lord, but their husband hasn't. And they come and ask, hey, what do I do? And we go back to this passage a lot um, from 1 Peter 3. Where it's like, hey, winning them over to the Lord by nagging is a bad idea. You're right. Um, This scripture talks about just live a godly life in front of them. And then you become a light in your own home. And they can watch the way you live and understand what it's like to have a relationship with the Lord. And that's an incredible thing to do, an incredible statement. You pray for them. And you encourage them, but you don't try to argue them or nag them into a relationship with the Lord. Um, I just think it's important to, to keep praying and keep taking it one day at a time and loving and encouraging your husband. Um, and hopefully he will see um, who you are. And what godly love looks like. Sure. So a woman of godly character is more beautiful on the inside than on the outside. She brings good to her husband. Secondly, she works hard. A godly woman, a virtuous wife, Lemuel, let me give you an, an acronym here or an acrostic, whichever one it is. I can't figure out. I can't remember those. But the idea is that of these 22, char- 22 verses that start with this, well, a bunch of them said that the woman worked hard. Listen to this. She finds wool and flax and busily spins it. She's like a merchant ship bringing her good, from a fa- good food from afar. She goes to inspect a field and buys it. With her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She's energetic and strong, a hard worker. She makes sure her dealings are profitable. Her lamps burn late. Her lamp burns late into the night. Her hands are busy spinning thread. Her fingers are twisting fiber. She makes her own bedspreads. Have you ever made a bedspread? 
I've bought plenty, but I've never made one. Yeah, and you've ordered them from afar. Anyway, uh, <laughs> she dresses... <laughs> I got the bill. Okay, she dresses in fine linen and purple gowns. She makes belted linen garments and sashes to sell to the merchants. She carefully watches over everything in her household and suffers nothing from laziness. What, did, what stood out in that paragraph for you? Well, one is that this is a businesswoman. Mm. I mean, she is, she is buying and selling and making a profit, and she is good with money. She is um, a hard worker. And um, I love that, that that her household does not suffer from her laziness. And so I just think that there are a lot of things in her that I can respect and I can um, pray that God will help me be that person. Yeah, I think it's, it's terribly important. It's a real encouragement that, you know, what's interesting is, is these are all things that people notice. I mean, they notice this. Uh, it wasn't hard for this poem to be written about, hey, the candle burns late into the night. She keeps her hands busy. She does, she's not idle, wasting time. I mean, those are things that people notice. And when you and I do good things, I mean, it's just like when our kids would try out for Little League and they'd be out there on tryouts and other things. Talent was hard to hide. I mean, when you threw a kid a ball, you could tell with his reaction time, okay, this is where they are. Some kids have developed faster than others at a certain level. Well, it's the same way with adults and other things. When you have a person of godly character, that's hard to hide. It is, because they'll, they'll do this late at night. They're working when they don't have to. Well, work is a good thing. And when you're working in the home and you're working for your family, everyone benefits. They're all things that need to be done, and it's, um, it's satisfying to do that. If you flip your outline open to the next page... Galatians 6, 9 is at the top. And Debbie, you wanted to include this in here, this verse. And let us not grow weary in doing good. In due season we shall reap if we don't lose heart. Um, Why do you want that verse in there? Well, I think it's important. I mean, a lot of us can, uh, we're all at different places in our life. Some of us have little children at home. Some of us may be in a place where we're caring for our mothers. We're caregivers. Mm -hmm. We're just all over the page and where we are in, um, in ages and, and what tasks God has in front of us. And we have different seasons in our life, and God uses us in each season. And if you're walking with the Lord, you just ask him, Lord, what do you want me to do in this season in my life? What do you have for me? And it's important that we can transition um, as we grow older from season to season and say, okay, Lord, I know work is a good thing. I know you have things for me to do. Help me to figure that out. Help me to know where to spend my time. Yeah, and this verse is always encouraging to me too. In due season we'll reap if we don't give up. Uh, there are many times when, uh, I remember when our kids were small and there was an endless supply of laundry. Totally. And there's always more meals to cook and there's always more homework. And there are carpool lines and baseball practices and your husband not going there. But anyway, uh, but the whole idea is there's just countless things that weigh on you and at times uh, moms can feel underappreciated or unappreciated completely right um yeah exactly you do a million things that nobody notices just because they need to be done and um if you're in the word if you're praying then um hopefully god will give you the strength to keep going and the next thing you know it's it's all over you're in another season and so it's it's crazy how fast life goes so you enjoy whatever season you're in, and you pray for strength, and you um, hopefully, if you're walking with the Lord, then you will get the satisfaction from Him when sometimes you don't get it from the people you're serving. Yeah, and in due season you shall reap. Um, we love it now, and we'll have um, 
you know, when you were visiting one of our sons recently, he came home and said, here's some of the things you taught him or things he was doing now later on. And it's we didn't even know that. It's fun to see him grow up and yeah, be adults. We didn't even know they were hearing some of those things. We thought, oh, I wonder if that stuck. And then it's like, oh, it did. I had a friend of mine met with one of my sons not long ago and he had a meal with him. And he said, wow, I mean, he quoted you on something. I said, well, he stole one of my jokes is what he did. But anyway, uh, uh, <laughs> but... So you tried to be corny is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. So moving along, we will uh, talk again here. But there was one other warning we want to put in here. That last thing, that last little sentence there from Proverbs uh, 31:27 says that everything in her household, she watches over everything in her household and suffers nothing from laziness. In some translation, it says... Some translation says she does not eat the bread of idleness. Eat the bread of idleness. And we had a warning in here. This is the exact opposite of a woman of virtue, a woman of character. Idleness makes us susceptible to temptation. And there's a verse tucked away in the New Testament, 1 Timothy 5, where Paul's talking to Timothy about caring for widows. And he said, if you get widows on there who aren't committed to the church and helping with ministry and other things, and you just support them so... Things you got to be careful because they could take advantage of that. They can get in the habit of being idle and going about from house to house. They're not, and not only do they become idlers, but also gossips and busybodies, saying things they ought not to. And Debbie, you've talked with this. You've actually met with some women too, where um, because of social media and other things, uh, they can become at a certain season in their life. They may have been busy at one part, but another part, all of a sudden now they got hours that are unaccounted for, and it gets them into trouble. Sure. And I mean, I've struggled myself at times. I'll sit there and I'll get on Facebook or something. And next thing I know, 45 minutes are gone. I'm like, what in the world? Where did, how did that happen? It's very easy to become idle. And so I think you have to be intentional about what am I going to accomplish today? What am I going to do today? And if that doesn't, you know, if you don't have time and most of it, I mean, we don't need to put our time and to just waste it and throw it away. So we need to be careful because idleness can, um, creep in very easily without even yeah, if knowing you've, it. If you ever heard the expression, idleness is the devil's workshop, it sure is. And that can lead to all kinds of temptation because we got lots of time texting or other things, looking on social media. All of a sudden we can be concerned a whole lot more about other people's business than the things we need to be doing. And you get the idea when you're looking at this virtuous woman, man, she is going for it. I mean, she's working late in the night. She's got her day planned. In fact, that's point three. She plans ahead. Not only does she work hard, not only is she good to her husband and make him look good, but she plans ahead. She gets up before dawn to prepare breakfast for her household. She plans the day's work for her servant girls. She has no fear of winter for her household, for everyone has warm clothes. She is clothed with strength and dignity, and she laughs without fear of the future. Would you laugh without fear of the future for us? What would that sound like? <laughs> yeah, we don't know. Yeah, that didn't turn out as good as we hoped. Anyway, um... But uh, the idea here is simply this. Hey, how would you face the future unafraid? Well, one is trusting on God. But the other is doing the best we can with what we can. Am I making the most of my opportunities? Have I planned ahead for the winter? Have I planned ahead for the week? I mean, one of the things I was always so grateful for in our house is how you would plan out the meals and go shopping. And you would be like a merchant ship going to Sam's and Walmart and everywhere else. Uh, that you were out getting food at all these different places, but you had our meals planned out, so things were in the fridge, 
and you'd buy that extra jug of milk. So when our friends, when our boys' friends came over and both gallons were gone in five minutes, can anybody relate to what I'm talking about here? We drink two gallons of milk in five minutes. I mean, how is that even possible? Um, but what would happen is we'd just go through all kinds of food, but you'd planned on that. Sure. And there's, there's strength in plans to me. It's like, you know, what's going to happen then you're good. You can handle um, things that come up that you didn't know that were going to come up because you've, you've got it. So there's, um, it takes kind of the panic away out of life if you can plan. And I just admire this woman because she knows what's going to happen when she gets up. And she's, she's got her day planned out. That makes you feel successful about the season of life that you're in. I'm accomplishing things. I'm doing what I need to do. That's a good thing. Yeah, so you can imagine Lemuel's mom saying, Lemuel, you want, G stands for she's good for her husband, W, she works hard, P, she plans ahead. And all this goes again where the person who's a godly woman, well, she commits her actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Not only did you plan out the week and plan out the work and other things like this, but this was something that um, you committed to the Lord in prayer in your quiet time in the morning, right? Sure. Um, If you're not having a quiet time, then I, I felt like, my days were much more productive when I spent time with the Lord first. And it seems kind of crazy because you think, oh, I don't have time to, have, to spend time with the Lord. But once you do, it's like he would multiply my time. And so I needed to do that. that in fact, I see that now in my life. If I don't do that first, then I kind of um, get off track a little bit. So um, that's what you, that needs to be the first thing you do. So if we're looking for a virtuous woman and the qualities of a virtuous woman, I hope some of these are resonating with you about the things that your mom did for you. And that's what we want to celebrate on Mother's Day, those things. Not just how they look, but the character, the inner beauty that comes out. Here's a fourth quality. She helps the poor and the needy. She helps poor and needy people. She extends a helping hand to the poor and opens her arms to the needy. One of my favorite stories about my mom's mom, uh, my grandmother, was this my mom told me that um, she had grown up during the Great Depression era and on a farm in Kansas, and there was very little food. I mean, sometimes they really were on the edge of, they would pray that my grandfather would catch rabbits, and I think so they'd have meat to eat. I mean, they were that, they were budgeting that closely. To, I mean, they, and this is in the United States, if you can imagine, and that was common. But because there was such high unemployment, there were a lot of drifters and uh, wanderers that would come through and they would just be walking the countryside and they'd come to farmers and ask if they could do any work for any money at all. And most of the farmers didn't have anything they could hire them with. But my grandmother, my mom said, no matter how meager the rations were, she would always save one plate, one small plate worth of food. I'm sorry. Oh, I thought you were tapping me on that. It's going, okay. Uh, one small plate. Uh, that's our code. It's like, Hey, we got to move on here. Okay. Anyway. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but the whole thing is that uh, there was one small plate of food that she'd saved, no matter how meager the rations were. And the kids were always, my mom remembers asking my grandmother, why are you doing that? She said, well, in case somebody stops by tonight, we want to have something to give them. And sure enough, most evenings there'd be somebody who, who would come by and they hadn't eaten in a long time. And my grandmother and my grandfather would go sit out on the front porch with them and give them some food and pray for them. And she said, no matter how tight things get, we've got to remember that we can share, we've got to share what we have because the Lord gave his own son for us. And my mom never forgot that. And that became part of her life. I think the important thing is, is what that illustrates is that they had a heart of compassion. And I think that's what God would want us to see people the way he sees people. 
And so when you're talking about helping the poor and the needy, just cultivating a heart like Jesus and developing compassion for people. And the poor is one thing, and sometimes needy. Sometimes people may not be needy as far as food or clothing, but they're needy in a conversation. One of the things I always, that I've always loved when you felt like you met somebody during the day that you need to spend time with, you'd call them and go, hey, can you pick up the kids? I really got to go spend time with somebody. I need to go pray with somebody here. And that meant the world to me that you, your day could be interrupted because, and there's a blank here, and we, this is important to remind us of this all the time, that God's interruptions equal great opportunities. And a virtuous woman plans ahead and has things, but also is willing to be interrupted because she fears the Lord. And that's important, don't you think? Sure. I mean, that's what we're here for. Is, is If it's all about relationships, then we have to be aware that those opportunities are about relational ministry, helping people. And so it's just developing the heart of Jesus to care for people. And finally, a godly woman and a wise woman gives wise counsel. A virtuous woman gives wise counsel. When she speaks, her words are wise. When she gives instructions, she does it with kindness. Uh, that is so important as a mom. As a mom, you're in a position where you get to tell our kids things that nobody else is going to tell them. And you can say it with kindness. Hey, you, you don't need to brag about that. That's not good. Or, hey, you're going to have to step it up here. And as a mom, you can say, you can go some places where angels fear to tread, right? Right. But how you speak matters and how, whether or not they're going to receive it. Um, and I, the point I wanted to make with this is that if you want your words to be wise, then you need to be in Scripture. And you need to be spending time with the Lord because I'm not very wise on my own. Hmm. But if I'm developing a relationship with the Lord, and that's... Um, Proverbs 9.10 says, Fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. If I'm spending time with God, I'm going to be a lot wiser than if I'm just um, working on my own. And so you need to pursue a relationship with the Lord so you can give wise counsel. And then just a word to all of us here. My child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. What you learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. I mean, when we correct our kids, why do we do that? Because we want them to be godly. We want to train them up so that when they are older, then they will um, be equipped to live the life that God has for them. Yeah. So here's one big life application for Mother's Day. We need to celebrate our moms. We need to celebrate our moms for inner beauty, not just outer beauty. Listen to how Proverbs 31 winds up. Her children stand and bless her. Her husband praises her. There are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive, and beauty does not last, but a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Reward her for all she has done. Let her deeds publicly declare her praise. I'm glad we have a Mother's Day. And, fellows, if there's a time during the year, if we have not celebrated how hard our uh, wives have worked to raise our kids and be the mom of our kids, or you haven't celebrated your own mom and told her recently how much you appreciate all those hours she spent taking care of you, well, this would be a good day. For me, my mom passed away a few years ago, but there's nothing that stops me from calling some of my siblings and us sharing some memories about how much our mom did for us then. It encourages us all. You can still celebrate the day um, because uh, our moms meant so much. Now, Debbie, I want you to comment on the last point on the last page here yet. Um, what if somebody 
when we read this list, says, well, I'd like to be more of those things. I just don't feel as virtuous as that woman in Proverbs 31. What would you say? I've heard a lot of women say this. They can't stand to read this because it just makes them feel guilty about who they're not. And so I would just say that just like you always talk about it, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The next best time is today. Well, then change. Start today. And and I don't mean change. This is not meant to be a to-do list of who you need to try to make yourself into, what you need to be. It's an opportunity for us to say, let me just pursue Jesus. If you would just pursue a relationship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit changes you on the inside. And he gives you the power to do things um, that you never thought you were able to do. I mean, I'm totally different, a totally different person um, than I was 20 years ago, 30 years ago, hopefully because the Lord is making me more like him and less like myself. And so my encouragement to those women would be just pursue Jesus and ask him to make you into the woman that he wants you to be. And I think you'll be surprised. Why don't you read that passage from Matthew 11? Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. Would you pray with us, please? Lord, I want to thank you for Mother's Day. I thank you there's at least one day of the year where we have a calendar day marked where we can stop and say thank you to our moms for how hard they work, for how many plans they make, and how many meals they prepare, for how many times they take care of others and stop what they're doing, for the correction they give us with kindness, the words of wisdom they give us just to help us become better. And God, I pray that today you encourage moms who are in the thick of things where they are running 90 to nothing all day long and they don't feel like they'll ever get caught up. I pray also for moms who are at a different season of life who are now praying for their grandkids and working with their grandkids. You allow them to give a double portion of that wisdom, not only to their children, but to their grandchildren. And God, I just thank you for the opportunity we have to surrender all of our problems to you. Father, we can't be all those things without your help. That's impossible. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom anyway. So we come to you and say, Lord, help us to honor you and serve you. And then, Father, you'll show us how to get things done. Lord, I thank you for my mom. And I thank you for my mom's mom who helped shape her. And I thank you for my wife, who's the mother of my children. I'm grateful. And today, Lord, I pray that we will make the most of any celebrations for Mother's Day that we have. In the name of Christ, I pray these things. Amen. Now, we have one other thing that I want to do here this morning. We have kind of a, a, a special announcement that we haven't made before, so I'd like you to watch the screens, please. I'm Don Rickard, President of the Board of Elders at Centerpoint. Hey, and I'm Craig Clement. And today we want to have an exciting announcement for you in terms of what we have going forward. A couple years ago, we uh, prayed together and wanted to make it really an important policy for us to be able to make sure that we give John and our city leadership a significant rest. And so we put in place a policy for our senior leadership for every seven years for them to be able to take a sabbatical. And sabbatical simply is a time for them to rest and be able to spend time away. Uh, John has been a senior minister for almost seven years here, and he and Debbie have been in ministry for over 25 years. So we thought it was time they have a sabbatical, as Craig mentioned, to rest, to rejuvenate, 
and prepare for the future of CenterPoint. And they'll be gone about seven weeks. And while he's gone, we're going to be able to take care of his emails and all his correspondence and stuff. So it's all be taken care of while he's gone. But we want to be able to be in constant prayer for him and for Debbie while they're gone. Yeah, and so the reason why we wanted to uh, the reason we wanted to show you that today was to remind you that to let you know that I'm going to be taking a sabbatical. Um, never done this before, and it's something that we we went and studied churches where the pastors endured long term. Every one of them said that was key to it. Um, I believe that God has given me the opportunity of a lifetime to be pastor of this church, and I intend to do this as long as God gives me the strength. But um, one of the things we learned was we need to pace ourselves. So we're going to take the next seven weeks and take a sabbatical. Part of that will be doing some traveling. We're going to be uh, home, reading a lot, doing some rest and some um, just a lot of prayer because uh, we want to use this time to get really fueled up uh, because God has some exciting things ahead for Centerpoint. I want you to know if you're wondering what's going to happen on Sunday mornings, well, we've got a lot of special things planned. Here are a couple of them. Next week, we'll have a special guest speaker on Sunday, May 15th. It's in your bulletin. It's John Ed Matheson. He uh, was, uh, I'm the senior pastor of Centerpoint. He was my senior pastor for almost 20 years. And he is a marvelous communicator. He's going to be here next Sunday morning, uh, about a month from now. Also, Rick Burgess, if you've ever heard of Rick and Bubba. Well, Rick will be here. I don't know what Bubba's doing, but Rick will be here. And And, uh, yeah, (laughs) uh, Rick will be here on Sunday morning, and he can preach, okay? And uh, so you're in for a real treat. We also have a lot of other special things planned. And but I just wanted to give you a, uh, an insight. So we've been planning ahead for this, and all of our emails, will be, all of my emails will be forwarded to other p- uh, pastors and other things so that um, the ministry still goes on. But I just wanted you to know this is something that we're doing. Uh, I wanted to get out in front of this because there were many r- rumors that we were leaving and not coming back, or there were rumors that uh, I was sick, or, and I think there might be one out there that, I've, that I'm dead and I'm not. Okay, anyway, so um, <laughs> we wanted you to know about this in advance. And... Um, I'd just like to have a word of prayer for our church, if I could. And um, let's kind of wrap up uh, that way today. Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity to be here uh, today. I thank you for a church where we've planned ahead. We talked about women who plan ahead while our church has planned ahead. And Lord, for us to have fuel and to have grace and to have the strength we need, it's been determined that we need to pace ourselves. And every church we looked at that had pastors there long term who stayed invigorated and fresh, they all did this. And so, Father, um, I pray, Lord, you will bless the ministry of this church while I'm gone, and you will uh, fill up my tank as well, and Debbie's too. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to serve this church, and I just thank you for the bright future that's ahead of us. We have lots of desires and lots of plans. And so, God, um, we just commit all those to you, and I just uh, pray your blessings upon us. Thank you for this opportunity. Help me make the most of it. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen.